0: Danny Myers coming up to start a new series. Give it up. Good morning. Well as uh, Bill said we're starting a new series today. We completed uh, a week or two ago our series that we called go. We talked about the call of Christ on all of our lives to be disciples, and to make disciples. That was the theme of the Go series. By a disciple, we're not just talking about someone who is uh, knowledgeable about Jesus or learned passages in the Bible. The, the, The key to being a disciple is not only are we aware of truth, but we're, we're doers of truth. A disciple is someone who knows Christ. A disciple is someone who is an imitator of Christ, who, who reflects Christ in their words, in their actions. So we finished this series about going, being sent out to be disciples and to make disciples, and it just seems so appropriate to us to begin a new series that builds on what we've been talking about because I I really believe this is uh, something that God is wanting to do here at VCDC. He is wanting for us to be apprehended, by this this calling, this this high privilege that we have, not just to bide our time here on earth, but to be actively grabbed hold of, actively brought into his purposes as followers, as imitators of Christ. So what we've decided to do is over the next number of months, we're going to go through the book of Acts. Because what we see in the book of Acts is is a church... And I don't mean a specific building, I don't mean a specific denomination. I'm talking, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about God's people. We're seeing in the book of Acts the church being mobilized, the church moving out, the church being disciples, making disciples, and bringing God's purposes from heaven to earth. So I, last night I just blabbed too much, so if I start going off on rabbit trails, just say, you know, get on with it, Meyer, because I really want to, to hit on and build a foundation for this series today. So I want to jump right in there and not get, not get down any rabbit trails. The, the book of Acts is, is really, the book of Acts is sort of like the gospel of Luke part 2, the book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke was a, a, a physician. He was very precise in what he recorded in his gospel. He was very detailed. He did lots of research. The gospel of Luke talked about what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and now in the, uh, the book of Acts, he d- brings the same focus to the acts of the apostles. That's why they call it the books, book of Acts. It's the act's, of the apostles, more precisely, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit as he works through the church. Tremendous application for us here here in this church. So let's jump in. Let me give a little bit of of framework, a little bit of uh, foundation. In in the first couple of verses, what, what Luke says as he starts this book out, he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So uh, Luke is writing to Theophilus. We don't know precisely who Theophilus is. The assumption is that he was uh, an official in Rome and that Paul, that Luke was wanting Theophilus to understand. Theophilus was probably a follower and Luke was providing him, both through the gospel now through the book of Acts, a detailed account of what God is doing here on earth. And he says that, that in, in his former book he talked about Jesus, and he talked about all that Jesus instructed the apostles to do and now he's, he's launching out So, uh, continuing on, in verse 3, let's pick it up. uh, Luke says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them. He appeared to the twelve, to his followers. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, speaking of John the Baptist, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll be, we'll be talking about that next week. But what I want us to glean from this, 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 these few verses is really not just a foundation for the rest of the book of Acts, but within these few verses is the theme of the book of Acts. And we'll be looking at, at that this morning. But Luke says, for 40 days. After Jesus was, was crucified, buried, and resurrected for 40 days, Jesus appeared to his followers, not just to the 12, not just to a few, but to hundreds and hundreds of followers. And for 40 days, it says he spoke about the kingdom of God. In verse 3, it says, the theme, the focus of what Jesus spoke about was the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you, you have to work here for, for uh, the sermon here. What is, how do we define the kingdom of God? What's a good working definition? The reign and rule of God. When the Scriptures talk about the kingdom of God, it's not talking about heaven. When the Scriptures talk about the kingdom of God, it's not talking about some, some future hope alone. When the Scriptures use this phrase, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's talking about God's reign and rule. That God, as king of the universe, desires to have sovereignty, have reign over all things that He's created, over everything. The kingdom of God, and you've heard us say this before, but it's so important that you understand this. The kingdom of God is the thread that holds the entire Bible together. From Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 2, it's this theme of the reign and the rule of God, of the sovereign reign of God. It's the theme of the kingdom of God that connects everything together. And that is why in the 40 days after the resurrection, that is why, as Jesus recognizes, this is my last time here on earth with my followers, he over and over and over again talked about the kingdom of God, talked about his reign and rule, the activity of God as he came to earth. And I would would go as far as saying that one cannot understand the flow of the Bible unless they read it, unless they see the Scriptures in this greater context of God's kingdom, of God's reign and rule. From the beginning to the end, in Genesis chapter 1, you've heard me talk about this before, so I'm not going to belabor the point, because someone will say, nip it, Meyer, move on. But from in Genesis chapter 1, God created heaven, he created the earth, and he called for Adam and Eve to rule and subdue this earth. In other words, right from the beginning, the role of humanity was to, under his ultimate reign, under his ultimate rule, Our responsibility was to bring his good government, if you will, to bring his reign, his purposes, his plans from heaven to earth. That was his desire. And he said, Adam, Eve, you rule and subdue under my ultimate authority, rule and subdue this earth so my will will be done here. And in in Genesis chapter 3, soon after that, we read about the fall, the forfeiture of their right to rule and subdue. They forfeited their responsibility to bring God's reign, to bring God's rule from heaven to earth to Satan. And that's why the scriptures call Satan the ruler of this world from Genesis chapter 3 right on through to the rest of the Bible, the entirety of the Bible is about one thing. And that is God reestablishing what was lost in the garden. Reestablishing His intention to reign and rule here on this earth, in our lives, through our lives. It's the thread that holds the whole Bible together. God's desire to be a king... And from Genesis three on, God's desire to reestablish what was forfeited through sin of Adam and Eve. So when Jesus stepped off the throne and came to Earth, John the Baptist, who was his forerunner, who was his announcer, who was his his Ed McMahon, what did John Mc, what did John McMahon what did John the Baptist say? He said, "Prepare yourself." For the kingdom of God is at hand. What was was John's message? He was saying the king is at the door. The king has has stepped off his throne in heaven, has come to earth in in human form. The king is now present here on earth to recapture what was forfeited by, by Adam and Eve. The king has come. The kingdom of God, his reign and rule is at hand. And then Jesus, it says, began to preach the good news. And what was it the good news of? He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Here I am. I've come to earth to reign and to rule, not some, from some centralized throne, but within the individual hearts of men and women, adults and children. He sent out the 12 to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. He told them to pray like this. He said, when you pray, pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. He said, when you pray as as my followers, as as my disciples... As my imitators, pray that the the rain that is being done, the rain that is being expressed in heaven becomes an expression of my sovereignty here on earth as well. Pray my kingdom comes to earth, is reestablished on earth as it's been established in heaven. And this is what is given to us this privilege, this right, this responsibility to bring those heavenly purposes, to allow the king to reign here on earth, in us and through us. It's the thread that holds the Bible together. How, does, how do the scriptures end? In the book of Revelation, when Christ returns the second time, listen to what it says. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded a trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, Listen to this, this is great. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. At the end of this world as we know it, the kingdom of this world will become. The kingdom of the Messiah, of the anointed one. The kingdom of this world will have been transformed to the kingdom of Christ. Because that's the intention, that's the desire. The Bible is not just a bunch of books and thoughts and philosophies and, and principles and values just thrown together together. The Bible is the story of a king who wants to reign and rule and reestablish what was lost. So the kingdom, of, come, uh, the kingdom of, of God has come when Christ stepped on, was born here on this earth. And the kingdom of God also is coming. There's a, a present reality. The kingdom is here because Christ now reigns and rules but it's still coming because the transformation within our lives and within this world hasn't fully occur- occurred. Theologians call it a time of the already, but the not yet. And, and we see that, that, that stretch. We see that tension even in verse 6 of chapter 1 of book, the book of Acts. It says in verse 6, they gathered around him, his followers gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of what? Israel. See, they weren't asking, are you restoring the kingdom of heaven now? Are you restoring your your right to rule here on earth now? Are you restoring the kingdom of God right now? They were concerned about something far more personal and far more important to them. They thought what they're concerned about is, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel now? Israel was an occupied nation. The Romans had, had, uh, had taken over. The Roman government had been exercising their rule and their reign. Caesar was the, the, the king of Israel. And they wanted to know, Jesus, enough of the kingdom of God. We just want to know, are you going to kick the Romans out? Are you going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel? And I see something among, the, among the, the, the followers of Jesus then that I see in my heart today. And that is how easy it is for me to be mostly concerned about the kingdom of Danny about the, 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 the ability for Danny to have things in order, things going along like I want him to go along, not having difficulties. I could see me sitting down with Jesus and saying, are you going to reestablish things in, in my home or things in, in my health or things in, in, in the areas that I'm most concerned about? Sure, 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 the kingdom of God, yeah, 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 yeah. But how about my kingdom? And we see this tension in all of us, as God is is recapturing what is lost. So that our eyes are not just looking at the things of this world, the things of my world, but that we become disciples. Disciples wanting to imitate him, wanting his kingdom, his authority, his purposes, his plans to come to bear. See, we forget so easily That if we pursue King Jesus, if we pursue the kingdom of God, if we pursue the the things that God wants to do here on earth, in us, and through us, and around us, things will go pretty well for us. Things are going to come into good order. I mean, that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said... Seek first what? And what's the kingdom of God? The rule and reign of God. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, my reign, and my rule. And then what did he say? All these other things you're concerned about will come to bear. All these things will be added. See, if we pursue him and his purposes in our lives, in our homes, in our workplace, if we pursue Jesus, his sovereignty, all these other things will be added. But instead, we are concerned about Israel and being free, and we are concerned about our our families and our church and our identity and my peace and my hope and my security. And, And those things aren't bad, but he says no. Pursue me. Pursue my reign. And that order will permeate all these other areas of your life. Because anything apart from him, when our eyes drift to the things of, the, of this created world, rather than the creator, it's all idolatry. It's all giving our allegiance, our desire, our passion, our effort, our enthusiasm, our devotion to the created rather than the creator, the one who has put all things in order. So God says, I'm looking for disciples. God's wanting VCDC to be a a church full of disciples, of imitators of Christ. who who he himself said, I have not come down to earth to do my will. I've come to do the will of him who has sent me, God the Father. And so also, as imitators of me, I want you not to be concerned about the things that that you see that are of of such concern. Be concerned about what I'm doing, and all things are going to come into order internally and externally. We get so caught up in what we see. We get so caught up and lift up those, those things that, and give control to those things that, that we want rather than the king of kings. L- listen to what it says in Psalm 115. I love this verse. The psalmist says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. He says, the psalmist says, Lord, oh, we don't want, we do, but we shouldn't, we don't want the focus to be on us. We don't want to get the glory. Literally, we don't want to have the evidence point to us in this world the evidence of goodness and and rightness. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name goes all the glory. To your name should go all the evidence of unfailing love and faithfulness. He goes on to say, Why let the nations say, Where's your God? As we run around pursuing the things of this world, those who we're supposed to be reflecting Christ to you're saying what about this god that you say is is the the center of your life what about this god who you say you've given your devotion to you're not pursuing his kingdom and his purposes because you're you're afraid apparently that he's not really concerned about you you're trying to build your own kingdoms so we turn to our idols and trying to get our kingdoms established he goes on to say <coughs> excuse me He goes on to say, our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. In other words, he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's God. The idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses and cannot smell. They have hands and they cannot feel. They have feet, but cannot walk. They have throats but cannot make a sound. He says, Lord, help us to be a people who, who refocus our attention, refocus our devotion. You see, there is a, there's a cosmic trial going on in the universe where the, the world, the angels, the fallen angels, all look on and, and are making a determination of who or what is sovereign. And we get to either declare through our lives as as followers, as disciples, that Jesus, his kingdom, his reign and rule is sovereign. Or we get to declare in our lives that we've given sovereignty and control to things of this world, getting that next raise, getting a bigger car, bigger house, bigger apartment, uh, uh, better friends, new spouse, whatever it may be. Yet, we can have this privilege of pointing to something beyond us, more important to us, and allow our lives to give evidence, to give glory to something bigger than us. Because that's what the Christian call is all about. Listen to Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, Jesus said to them, It is not for you, in other words, they were asking, are you going to reestablish the the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to fix things up here with Israel because it's not going too well? He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, I'm not not going to address the timing of when God is going to fix Israel up and when God's going to do this or that, when the Father's going to act in these areas of your concern. But what I will tell you is that you, the church, will be my witnesses that just as Jesus, as he walked this earth, gave a a testimony, gave evidence that there was a God in heaven who had stepped down and come to earth and brought his goodness and his grace and his mercy to earth, he says, now, you, the church, will be giving that evidence. The church will be witnesses of who I am and the goodness and the faithfulness of my sovereign kingship. What's a witness? Well, it's no different in the first century than it is in the twenty-first century. A witness is someone who who generally, in this context, would go into a court and would testify, would give a personal explanation of their knowledge or their experience of something they saw, something they participated in. A witness is one who has personal knowledge of something by recollection or by experience and they can tell others about it. So if you were brought into a, court, a courtroom, they would put you on the stand, they wouldn't wanna know what your thoughts are. Do you think this guy's guilty? What do you think? Is he a nice guy? And they say, tell us, what did you hear? What did you see? What did you experience? That would give evidence of what we're trying to prove. And in this cosmic trial going on in the universe, what is being proven is that God's kingdom His reign, His rule is marked by goodness and mercy and faithfulness and righteousness and justice. And we get to bring our lives before the world and let our lives testify to the reality of that truth. That our lives can be a testimony and provide evidence that God is alive, unlike the, the idols that can't speak, touch, feel, hear. That our God is active, our God is good, and it's to be our lives that become a witness, that our lives can give that testimony. And, and how do we do that? Well, by going door to door, passing out tracts, right? How how do we do that? By making sure every conversation at work somehow is turned around where we can wag our finger at someone else and say, you're doing bad unlike me who is a godly man. How do we become witnesses? By simply allowing our lives to be a testimony of the reality of who God is. Not that we're so good, that we're so righteous, that we're so just or faithful. But our lives become a reflection and a a testimony to be watched that he is good. We get to provide our personal evidence of God's goodness and his activity. And where do we do this? We do it in our spheres of influence, in our circles of influence, generally. We do it where, where our lives rub other lives. We become a, a, a witness at work and in our neighborhood and to our family and to our children and to our parents. We become a witness to our friends we, and sometimes with words, but generally with our lives. St. Francis said, you know, preach the word at all times, and if necessary, use words. But our our witness, our testimony, is generally going to be through observation, not through conversation. Loving others like Jesus loved. Forgiving others like Jesus forgave. Reflecting his values. I remember when, when Penny and I bought our first house. This was back in, in 1980. They, they had houses back then. We were not living in caves. We bought our first little house. And we, I remember we moved in and we were unpacking the U-Haul. We were putting the pictures up and the furniture up and uh, I don't know about you when you do things like that, but Penny and I are, bringing. No, the the couch shouldn't go there, the picture, and and by the end of the day we were just at each other, you know, and I remember uh, we had just moved in, we walked out the front door, we were mad, I slammed the front door and she walks out and she slams the front door and we were, and all of a sudden we look and next door were our neighbors sitting on the front porch just watching. (laughs) And, and I sort of looked at each other and walked back into the house and I thought, okay, well, we'll put the house on the market. We've just totally, <laughs> bo- you know, this is awful. <laughs> then we went back out and actually the next day we went over to our neighbors and said, we are so sorry. Please forgive us. That, that's not how we want to act. And, and we're, we're sorry for doing that with each other. We're sorry and we ask your forgiveness for doing that with you. And it just built this bridge. Because apparently they do that sometimes too. (laughs) You see, being a witness doesn't mean we become perfect and say, why don't you become a Christian and be perfect like me? Being a witness, giving evidence, is giving evidence of who he is. Where we can say, you know, I'm broken. But God's... God's been so gracious to me over and over. We're broken, but God's at work in us. See, being a witness is just simply saying, here's what God is doing. Here's here's evidence of his goodness in our lives. Only on occasion, being a witness means we have to walk on water. But generally, being a witness is just letting Jesus and his goodness be reflected through us. You know, last few weeks, uh, Jake and I were in the Philippines, and we were doing some leadership training and, and, uh, and so on, and just had a, a wonderful time. And we had opportunity to interact and to meet some folks over there. Actually, I had met them a year prior. But put that first picture up, Laurie. This fellow on the right, his name is Abner. Abner, let me just tell you a real quick story about, it. Abner was a, a, uh, a heroin addict when, when God got hold of his life. He was just totally a broken man out on the streets. Actually, he came from a wealthy family in the Philippines, but he, he was just, his life was in shambles. God got hold of his life, turned his life upside down, called him to be a follower, to be a disciple, and then Abner began to simply tell others what God had done in his life. Other addicts on the street, street kids and and young adults, and began to start some houses there in the Philippines, in the city of Cebu. And all of a sudden, these other people began to get their lives turned upside down. He is a disciple, and all he did is he shared the evidence of what his king had done in his life and others said, well, we want in on that kingdom. We want in on that reign. And it's begun to happen one person after another. Put that next picture up. This is a picture of Inde. Inde, uh, what you see there is, her, is basically the, the, her whole house. Lives in a small house about, well, I mean, it's, it's tiny, about the size of, of most of our uh, bathrooms. And, and there she lives with her children, and Inde also was a, an addict. And Abna happened to reach out to Inde's, one of her, her sons, who was also living out on the streets and was an addict. Inde saw her son's life turned around, and then she wanted in on it. She saw the evidence and wanted to have it for herself, too. And she, I was talking to Inde through a translator and asking her about her life. And, and just through tears was sharing how two of her children actually were no longer alive. Because Inde as an addict and as a prostitute and just out on the streets just didn't take care of her family. Two of her children died, she said, of starvation. Just neglect. And she was just weeping as she was telling what God did in her life. How messed up her life was, and how much gratitude and affection she has that God reached into, into this slum where she lives and grabbed hold of her life and, and where she still lives. But she's not just sitting there being grateful, she's begun to go to other islands, because the Philippines is mostly islands, she's been going to other islands where she used to live, telling people of what what Jesus has done in her life. Seeing churches rise up. Put that next slide up. The gal on the left is Charlene, that's her husband, uh, Gadjil, And Charlene and Gadgil moved to a city called Davao. And they went there to be part of a church plant. They were just going to help. You know, the pastor was getting something started, and they went along. Well, after a, a relatively short time, the pastor said, "I'm not going to do this anymore. You do it. It's yours." So, at in the mid 20s, all of a sudden, they found themselves in this utter impoverished area. It was an entire, it was a, a community, a neighborhood where they lived that was 100% Muslim, mosque across the street, and, and they just sort of, God, what do we do? We, we came to support the pastor. We, we're not pastors. What do we do? And God just began to say, just, just reflect Jesus. So one of the things that, that Charlene did is she began to go into the, the poorest of the areas around where they live, where they didn't even own land. They just built their houses on stilts. They began to talk, she began to care for the, uh, particularly the sick men and women who were in that Muslim community, taking care of infections, taking care of pregnant women, taking care of women who, were, who had cancer, just loving them. And all of a sudden one, two key individuals saw the reflection, the evidence of of Christ came to the Lord. And over a matter of literally about a month or two, over a hundred Muslims converted just simply because Gadgel, Charlene, wanted to just reflect Jesus, just loving others, not in, in their words even as much as in their life. Put the next picture up. That's a picture of, of the, the, the Muslim convert church. The next slide, you just see, you know, obviously they're miserable people. <laughs> next slide. It's a picture of a baptism that the, that church had. The next picture. That's where they lived. Just cardboard houses with tarps on stilts over the ocean because, because they can't afford any land but it's just the power of our testimony, of our our being a witness. That's our opportunity. So so let's finish up. How do we respond to this this passage? How do we respond to this call to be witnesses, to be a people who give evidence through our lives, individually and corporately? How, How do we respond? Well, there's a choice to be made. There's a challenge before us. Whether we're going to be church attenders or whether we're going to be disciples. Whether we're going to be about the kingdom of Danny or whether we're going to be about the kingdom of God. There's a choice to be made. We cannot read the scriptures for information. We can't read the scriptures just for devotional purposes. When we read the scriptures, we need to ask ourselves, Father, if this is true, what should I do about it? How should I respond? First, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, to give evidence, in other words, That you are called and that you are chosen, that you are elected. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. If we give ourselves to the purposes that God has for us, we're not gonna stumble. We're not gonna get bored. We're not gonna grow dry. We're not, because we're gonna be about the Father's business. This is deliberate Christianity that Jesus is calling us to, where we walk through our lives regularly reminding ourselves to say, Father, what are you doing? What are you doing today at, at work? What are you doing as I pass my neighbor and see her out on the front porch? What, is there something you're doing here? What are you doing, Father, as I go grocery shopping? What are you doing as I'm talking to my child and taking those purposes of our our sovereign king, and seeing his will done on earth as it's being done in heaven. Can't beat that. What an opportunity. Why don't you stand up? Let's ask the Father what he's doing right now. Father, we we come to you. Lord, show us how you want us to respond to this this morning. Show us what you're doing, Father, what you want to do in us or or to us or through us. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, as I was praying actually last evening about our times, times together in these services, I felt like the Lord was saying that he just wants us to to be used in, in, in praying for one another, but particularly for physical conditions. And I, and I just feel that confirmation. There, I believe there's a number of individuals here today who, who suffer consistent and habitual joint pain. You know, for some people, it might be osteoarthritis. For some people, it might be rheumatoid arthritis. For some people, it may be injuries that you have experienced. But you, you suffer lots of pain in hips and elbows and shoulders and knees and, and, and so on. Who, who, just raise your hand. Good. Well, we're going to pray for you. And I believe God is going to bring some healing in those areas. I believe also, and this is odd, and this is, I'll just go out on a limb, But I believe there's also an individual here and you have an eye condition and what it is, and I don't know what the name of it is, but there's too much pressure within the eyeball. I don't know what, I'm not sure what causes that, but there's, there's too much pressure in the actual eye. Is that, is that somebody here? Just raise your hand. Okay, don't you come up to me afterwards. Now, if if that's you, come and get prayer. I believe there's individuals, two individuals here, who have uh, cataracts beginning to develop in your eye that are that the doctor has has talked about or is treating. Who's that? Just raise your hands. Who's that? Someone over there? Okay. Is anyone else? Okay, if that's you, get some prayer for that. Also, I believe there are a number of people here who are dealing with fatigue, but particularly with uh, things like Epstein-Barr virus, with uh, fibromyalgia, with chronic fatigue syndrome. Raise your hands if you're dealing with those kinds of conditions. Okay, if you're here today and you need prayer for any of the things that I've mentioned, or you're here with other physical needs, spiritual, emotional needs, I'm going to invite you to come up right now. Just come on up to the front. We've got plenty of time. Come on up. And as people come up to the front, the rest of us, as disciples, of course, are, are called to be conduits of His power, of His grace. So we've got quite a few people up front right now. And that means most of the rest of you get to, be, get to be used by Jesus just by putting your hand on their shoulder, ask what they need from Jesus. It's not by special prayers or how many words you pray. Just put your hand on their shoulder once you know what they need and say, Jesus, come and give them, do whatever it is they need, okay? So let's make sure everyone up front has someone praying for them, okay? If you're a follower of Jesus, we, we hereby de- deputize you as a, as a prayer. Don't make me come and get you, okay, because I will. Just come on up. You need lots more men lots more women. you got more men and women with no one praying for them. Come on up. Here's an opportunity to let God's kingdom come through you, not your power, but through you as a conduit, Okay. Sure, everybody has someone praying for them. We need another man up here to come and pray? Another man over here? Come on up. Put your hand on their shoulder. There we go. That's good. Right here. Right over here. There we go. Father, come right now with your presence. Bring your kingdom. Let your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it's being done in heaven. Release power for healing right now. Healing power right now. Come, Spirit of God. Can you use some more prayers over here? after you pray for a few minutes stop and ask them what they're sensing and then just follow the, the lead of the holy spirit speak to the condition tell it to go tell the pain to go We speak to fatigue. We tell it to go. Lord, we speak to these autoimmune diseases. We rebuke them in Jesus' name. We speak to cancer cells and we tell them to just go in Jesus' name. Kingdom come right now. The gracious, merciful Reign and rule of God. Heal cataracts. Pain and joints. We say to the pain to go. Even as Jesus told blind eyes to be opened, we say pain, go in Jesus' name. Bless what you're doing, Lord, but we want more. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. Father, we thank you for your activity. We ask that you would just open heaven up and continue, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Your purposes, your plans, your healing, your goodness, your freedom, your deliverance, your grace and your mercy. Let it come, Holy Spirit. dismiss here in a moment but let me just say for those of you just listen for a second those of you getting prayer right now I I believe one of the things the Lord wants you to do is to continue if God hasn't fully healed you in this moment continue to to speak to those conditions throughout the day as the Lord just reminds you to speak to the pain in the joints. Speak to cataracts. Speak to, to, to viruses that you may have. Speak to the condition. Tell to go. God has given us authority. It's not our power, but He has given us authority to take hold of His good kingdom purposes and bring them from heaven to earth. So Father, we ask that You would add grace upon grace come and bring your presence bring your power allow us send us out, fling us into the harvest that we can be witnesses that we can give testimony that our lives would give evidence of who you are that you are on the throne that you are active that you are knowable come Holy Spirit connect us to those Kingdom purposes. In Jesus' name, Amen. Again, if you're getting prayer, feel free to continue, but to continue and pray for yourself, speak to the conditions throughout the day. I believe God is gonna bring, bring more and more and more healing. God bless you guys. Don't forget, pick up those tickets for the lasagna dinner. Uh, Sign up to teach us uh, Sunday schools five or six times through the summer. God bless you. We'll, we'll see you next week.